0: Amen. Turn to your right and your left and look across. Is there an empty seat that you can see? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's name is on that empty seat. You need to pray for them and you need to uh, be, you know, yeah. Just be courageous enough to say, hey, if you're free on Sunday at 1030 second breakfast. You've already had first breakfast. Come and check out why we love church. Amen? Well, uh, it's good to be back. I realized as I went over the preaching calendar, I haven't been here for six weeks in terms of preaching. So I've been present but doing other things and um, I forget how to do this. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's pray that God will help me. Amen? Amen. Uh, I've been listening to the staff sermons. If you haven't been listening to the staff sermons online on this relationship series, it has been awesome. All summer long, we've been talking about very kind of connecting points uh, that would probably hit every single one of us in different parts of our relationships. So make sure you do that. And uh, we've been talking about the relational toolbox. I was thinking and praying about... uh, what I would be sharing on this, uh, kind of the last of the relational toolboxes. Next week will kind of be the actual last one. But um, I was thinking about, you know, what tool in my garage do I, you know, just love to use? And, um, you know, the truth is, um, you know, I, I know a little bit about mechanics and handiwork. And the truth is, it's a little and it's a bit. And, um, but I was thinking about what, what tool I, I like the best. And uh, it's a hammer, without a doubt. There's, the hammer is the best tool in the, gra- in the garage. And deconstruction is my specialty. And uh, I tend to just dis- destroy things and then clear the debris and let someone else come and actually fix everything I broke. So that's my thing. But I was thinking, about well, what, what does God want to say? You know, what does God want to say uh, about, uh, you know, our special tool that God wants to talk about today? So I was thinking about my life and my handyman abilities. And the problem with my handyman abilities is two things. The first thing uh, is my wife's description of my handyman abilities to other people. <laughs> this is one of the moments of great humility in my life is when my wife begins to describe my handyman abilities. And then I try to interrupt her and say, and, and you know, I actually can do a few things, Betty. You know. She says, oh, this is her line, oh, honey, You are good at so many things, but being a handyman isn't one of them. And then I start to argue, and she always brings up the second thing I hate about my handyman abilities. You know what it is? I live next to my brother, Doug. That is the second thing I hate about my handyman abilities, because she begins to talk about, did you see what Doug did in the garage? Doug built cupboards. Doug laid his tile. Doug welded something onto the back of his trailer. Doug laid every, Doug lit his floor. He refurnished his, his kid's furniture. He built a barn door. <laughs> and the swinging thing, and it hides a closet. My wife's like, oh, Doug is amazing. <laughs> and I can't help it, my flesh kicks in at that point, and I always say something like, it's because he's too cheap to hire somebody. That Scotchman won't hire a single person. <laughs> then I realized that's not true. It's just that he, he's really good at doing all those things, so he just figures oh, I can do it better myself. I'm absolutely well doing my own. But the low point of my, of my life uh, as being a handyman came two Christmases ago when my wife bought me a tool. <laughs> Let me bring out the toolbox my wife gave me. It's the Helium-23, 23. 23 tools in one. Hang on here. It takes a while to get out and unleash this baby. The full fury of the Helium-23. This is the hammer on the Helium-23. Now, let me get this. I got, it's very, very cautious that you have to handle the Helium-23, 23. 23 different tools. Here we go. Oh! 22 tools of the (laughs) Helium-23. So this was my multi-purpose tool that my wife gave me. And uh, we were deconstructing the church very close to that time. So I thought, great, Betty, I'll show up to this at the the church deconstruction with the Helium-23. Turn it around. Oh, there we go. The Helium-22. And uh, I'll destroy different things. So let me keep that there because I want to talk about... I think God's greatest multi-use, multi-purpose tool in the area of relationships. It's way better than the Helium 23. And that thing that God wants us to learn about today, and this thing is a thing you can employ in so many different areas of your life in relationships, and it's a word called kindness. Kindness. But it's a little hard to nail down The definition of kindness. It's kind of a big word. It's a quality of being friendly and generous and considerate. You know, it's uh, considered by many world religions and actually many cultures as one of the great characteristics that a person can possess is a thing called kindness. So let's try to understand today a little bit about what kindness is, but let me pray before we do that. Father, I pray that as we unpack this incredible multi-use tool called kindness, I pray, Father God, that you by your spirit will capture our hearts. And Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray right now specifically that you will uh, remind people of times when you have been very kind to them. Bring to their remembrance moments, Lord God, where someone has been kind to them bring to their remembrance Lord where they have been kind and remind them Lord of those feelings and what that created in them Holy Spirit help us to take this multi-use tool and to employ it in this next season in Jesus name Amen well what's kindness Here's the first thing. I, you know, on Wednesday at prayer, if you're ever free for prayer, it's great to come to prayer. I asked the question. I said, guys, let's talk about kindness this morning uh, because I want to write my sermon, and I have some ideas, but I want to get your input and your thoughts. And so we started ta- going around the circle, and it was just a great, great morning on prayer on Wednesday, and we looked at a scripture that really portrayed the kindness of God, and we started talking. And one of the first points that we came up with was kindness... Is otherworldly it's otherworldly and and what I mean by that and what, what we discovered and what we talked about was that kindness has a way of jarring you you know when you hear something kind or when you experience something kind or when you express something of kindness it has a way to shake kind of your present reality and when you experience a kindness, doesn't it just kind of jar you out of your moment, jar you out of your day, and you're like, wow, this is so good that I'm experiencing. You have anybody ever had somebody buy you a coffee in the lineup of Tim Hortons or McDonald's? Isn't it just like, this is awesome, somebody bought? And then how many then, turn, bought the coffee behind? Very good. I always ask what they order first. I'm a little bit cheap that way. What do they order? Okay, I'll pay for that. Okay. You know, kindness is kind of that otherworldly, you know, we think it's right, we think it's good, but something about kindness, you know, is, it, it just pulls us out of our present course and our present reality. It kind of makes sense that it's otherworldly because when you understand that kindness is actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And though we see kindness in our world today, ultimately the, the signature of kindness is that it's God's heart and intention in this world. In the Old Testament, the word is uh, used some 248 times in the Hebrew, and actually the word is translated in most of your Bibles as goodness, goodness. We were singing about it today, amen? God's goodness is God's kindness. It's God's benevolent activity in this world. It's God's love expressed. You know, kindness is God's constant mercy and readiness to help. That's what it means to be kind. You know, God is even kind to people who turn their back on him. God is even kind to people who have known him and then go astray and do something crazy in their life. And there's so many t- uh, stories about that in the Old Testament and the New. But here's one out of Jeremiah uh, 33, 11. The people of God had turned their back on God. They'd gone their way. Now they've been taken into captivity and things are not going well. But listen to God's response to this group of people. There shall be heard again the voice of joy and the voice of gladness. Remember, they've been removed from Israel. They've been taken captive. And this is God's response. The voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voices of those who have sing as they bring sacrifices or thanksgiving, a thanksgiving into the house of the Lord, give praise and thanks to the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good. For his mercy and kindness... And steadfast love endure forever. For I will cause the captivity of the land to be reversed and return to be as it was at first, says the Lord. God is kind, church. He's kind. In the New Testament, it kind of gets unpacked even more. The kindness of God gets unpacked because we see the kindness of God expressed in a way that cannot be understood except that you see the face of God really in the, in the face of Jesus Christ. You know, the word really means to furnish what is needed. That's what the kindness of God is. It means to furnish what you need. And so God is is constantly looking at mankind. Believe it or not, he's constantly looking at us. And though our life is hard at times, and though there are difficulties that we go through, I'm telling you that God is wanting to intervene, to touch you, to be part of your situation, and to bring his kindness to bear upon your life. We see it no more than... really in the life of Jesus Christ. You know, in Luke 6.35, Jesus takes the level of kindness to a new level because he talks about, you know what, Uh, it's time to be kind to those who are unkind to you. You can be kind to your enemies. God's kindness even embraces the wicked and the ungrateful. That's an incredible statement. Listen to what it says in Luke 6.35. But you love your enemies, do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. In Matthew eleven thirty, you know that famous verse about, take my yoke upon you for it is easy. And that word easy means kind. And what, and what he's saying there, my yoke, my burden, the burden I'm going to put on you, it's actually useful for you. It will help you. It will build you. I'm kind, even in the burden I place. You see, Jesus was combating the religious voices of his day that were trying to put a weight on people, and he was saying, no, 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 that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is to lift that weight and to carry it with you and to give you something useful in your life. See, in Jesus Christ, God's fatherly kindness can be seen as in a mirror. And so if you ever doubt the kindness of God... Look at Jesus. You know, I'm going to say, um, you've heard me say this before, but let me re- bear repeating. Um, God is Christ-like. And in him is no Christ-likeness at all. Or is un likeness at all. There's no unchrist likeness in God. In other words, God the Father is not the mean God, and Jesus is the kind God. Okay they're both kind. The reflection of God's kindness is the face of Jesus Christ. In fact in the book of Romans Paul's unfolding uh, about, uh, you know, the sinfulness of the world in Romans chapter 1, which many people in our world would love to tear right out of the Bible because it, it, it basically points out the places where when we turn our back on God, when we stop looking to God, how it begins to affect our life. And, and it's kind of a, a, a trinity of sin. It progresses downward, and it expri- explains really what's happening in our world today. And so many people that are moving away from a moral compass of looking to God... And what happens in their life. And at the end of the, of the first chapter of the book of Romans, everybody's clapping and cheering and saying, you're right, Paul, the world's so wicked. And then in chapter 2, he actually turns his canons on the religious people. And he says, whoa, 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 whoa. Be careful, you who are judging. You better be cautious. Because don't forget, God was kind to you. And th- those of you who judge, you're actually judging yourself. Look, I didn't put this on the screen, but let me read it to you. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, this is from the, the Passion Translation. It says, Do the riches of this extraordinary kindness make you take him for granted and despise him? Haven't you experienced the new ki- uh, now kindness and understanding that has been given to you? Don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart? and lead you to repentance. God is kind, church. It's his multi-use tool. He is kind to the wicked. He is kind to the righteous. He is kind to the unrighteous. God is kind. And it takes us time to learn that kindness, doesn't it? Amen. Let me give you an example of how I learned and I really felt the spirit of God wanted me to say this example today, because I feel it's for somebody here specifically. When I first became a Christian, when I first became born again, and I uh, was 21 years old, I actually believed that abortion was okay. I believed that it was a woman's right, and now pay, stay with me here. I believe that there was, you know, circumstances for sure in which uh, abortion was okay. Do you know that God didn't change my heart right away? It took some time for me to realize the sanctity of life. And God was kind to me as I went on that journey. Does that make sense to you? And then I began to realize, you know what? Man, life is really important. And when does life begin? And, and God began to change my heart through his kindness. He began to reveal things to me. And you say, well, Pastor Greg, is there no circumstances in which you believe abortion is wrong? And you know what? I'm not here to debate that because I believe there are people here that have maybe gone through an abortion in your life. But I want you to understand something. God values life. And he also wants to value the person that maybe has gone through that painful decision and is living with the consequences of that. He wants to be kind to you. He wants to lead you to life and life abundant. See, kindness, the second thing is that it brings a revelation of God's heart toward people. That's what kindness does. It's otherworldly. It doesn't make sense. It breaks through the norms of this world, but it becomes a revelation of God's heart toward people. Romans eleven twenty two, Ephesians 2, 7, Titus 3, 4, God does not desire the death of sinners, but their salvation. Do you know God is not uh, angry at the world and wanting to destroy the world? you know God wants to save the world? For God so loved perfect people <laughs> that he gave his one and only begotten son. No. God so loved broken, hurting, ungrateful, wicked people that he gave his son because he is good and he is kind. See, kindness and gentleness thus belong to the visible gifts of the Spirit. Love itself manifests itself in kindness. For God, love manifests in kindness. And you can see that no more than in the life of Jesus. Amen? And in the life of Jesus, we see this Incredible kindness. Uh, You know, we're called in the Bible actually to clothe ourselves with kindness. That's what it says in the book of Colossians. Church, clothe yourself because God has been kind to you. Clothe yourself in kindness. And when you do that, it completes the circle from the original kindness of creator God who created you with life and ability. He says, now close that circle and fulfill it by being kind to others. It demonstrates my love. In a world that has forgot how to be kind, it's God's great multi-tool. It's uncommon in our world. (laughs) But God wants it to become common. We live in that world that at times is not kind. See, I'm a man who's constantly in need of kindness. And and, uh, if I forget that, God reminds me quite often of the kindness that I receive, the kindness of so many things and so many people and so many circumstances. Let me tell you a story of receiving kindness that changed my life. And uh, I was in grade six, and I was, uh, I was an okay kid, but I wasn't a great kid. I was a little bit bratty. And I had a teacher, her name was Mrs. Romanuk, and God bless you, Mrs. Romanuk, if you're here or there or in the air, wherever you are. Um, because Mrs. Romanuk, man, she had, she had a hard time with me. She was a, a born-again Catholic teacher. And she would pre- tell us about the love of God and the kindness of God. And she would teach us, uh, you know, the power of praise and worship. She'd read from books in my grade 6 classroom in the morning. She'd read the story every morning about the goodness of God. And uh, we, we just, you know, so of course we embraced it with as much mockery as we could. So, I won't go into all the details, but it just surprises me that I'm saved now. But one of the things we did, let me tell you one story, and please don't think less of me, um, but you will. Uh, we were riding our bikes after school, and it was after supper, actually, and we went by the school, and she, there was Mrs. Romanuk's car. So what we did was we went home, and we, or we went to the store, and we bought about three dozen eggs. And we rode our bikes back, and we unloaded the eggs on Mrs. Romanuk's car. Three dozen. And then she burst out of the school and started yelling. She couldn't see us. She was quite a distance away. So we rode our bikes as fast as we could, but one of our friends panicked and fell off his bike and then ran, leaving his bike behind. So then she grabbed the bike and yelled after us because we were hiding behind trees at this point. I'm taking this bike to the police. And the, little, the guy said to us, I gotta go back because I just had my bike registered. When you were a kid, you used to register the serial number on your bike so it wouldn't get stolen. And here he was breaking the law, and now he's gonna be busted because he... So we all walked back, and as we slinked back, Mrs. Romanox's face just dropped because she recognized three of us as being from her class. And with tears, not of repentance, but of being busted, please don't tell our parents. My dad was a justice-oriented person, <laughs> and he believed teachers when they told him things. And so whatever happened at school, it, I got it 10 times worse when I got home. You understand? That was my life. And uh, so Mrs. Romanuck says, I'll decide and I'll tell you tomorrow, but she made us get buckets and mops and, and we had to clean her car, pick up all the eggshells, do all the stuff, and we did. The next morning she called us all and she said, you know what, I'm not going to tell your parents, but you need to take this lesson and, and it's out of the mercy of God. You know, I can't remember exactly her words, but now all that time I had been mocking Mrs. Mrs. Romanuk, all that time I had not been listening to her, but I'm going to tell you that one act of kindness where she held my life in her hands. There's a reason that my rear end is flat. <laughs> it's not my First Nations background. It's, it's that my father, my father, I do have First Nations background, so don't, don't think I'm saying something negative there. But uh, it, it's that my father shrunk it a bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the seed of correction, he'd call it. There you go. Amen. So kindness is God's best multi-tool. But what happened with, with Mrs. Romanuk is that began to affect me. Do you understand? That act of kindness when she could have been demanded justice caused me to reflect on what she was teaching us about the power of praise and worship. And that summer, after that grade six year, I actually had an encounter with God that shaped my next few years and really prepared me for the year when I was 21 years old and gave my life to Christ because I knew there was something more that I hadn't experienced. And it was because of kindness that that happened. Our world is in need of kindness, church. It's true. See, kindness is no small thing. It yields marvelous fruit both in our lives and in the lives of those Around us. It's why Proverbs 21 21 says, Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. Her act of kindness turned me toward God, and so much so that it began to shape my life. Even after I became a Christian, I would always look for things in ways to be kind because it really it reflected to me. Uh, really, love and god and and, and so I, I was thinking about so many examples of of where I've experienced kindness and then employed kindness because the multiplication of kindness to me helped me to be kind to others. I remember once when we Mitchell and I and Betty and Michaela were in the Okanagan and we were at a lake, and uh, we were we were at the beach and then a group a group a bus pulled up with a bus full of group uh, 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 kids from a um, you know, a, a group, group home. Sorry, that's really the word I was looking for. Tough word. A group home. <laughs> the kids from a group home came pouring off the bus and kind of took over the beach and immediately started getting mean with Mitchell. Like, really, being mean. And so Mitch came to me with tears, and he's like, Dad, do do? these kids are being mean to me. And I said, well, what do you think we should do? Now, that's not my first response. Do you understand? My first response is we're going to have words with the counselors that they're not controlling their kids. We're gonna do it. I said, "Well, what do you think we should do, Mitch?" I said, "Why don't we invite them to build sandcastles castles with us?" Because we had just purchased all this beautiful sandcastle building, and that was kind of a thing on vacation. You'd find sand; it was cheap, and uh, you could uh, you could build these amazing sandcastles. So we did. We invited these. Mitch just went over and said, "You guys want to build a sandcastle with us?" They kind of looked at him like, but you could tell they really had nobody in their life to help them or ever do things like that with them. So a few of them came over and we started building these sandcastles. And we didn't build like little, we built sandcastles. Like I had a shovel, we built a mound of, you know, this thing was three-tiered. It had the keep, it had three moats, it it was awesome. Staircases going up, had waterfall, it was awesome. But in order to accomplish anything, you actually had to keep the water coming. You had to keep the water flowing. And, of course, it would wash it all away. So Mitchell, at one point, got overly excited. He said, people, we need more water. And then he realized the kids are looking at him like, they could see them rising up and leaving their kindness behind for a moment. And he's like, oh, if you don't mind, can we get some more water? You understand that kindness changed that situation. It actually kind of shaped the way I, I did ministry for many years, even in Fort McMurray and, and in, in here with our youth group for a while. We used to do... Um, In Fort McMurray, I did a thing called, or sorry, in in Edmonton when I was a pastor, we did a thing called rack nights, which was random act of kindness. So once every two months at least, our youth would focus, our young adults would focus on doing a random act of kindness. So we'd do things like on Mother's Day, we'd go to all the seniors' homes and give them flowers. We'd always attach a card that just said, you know, God loves you and God's here for you. And we did Valentine's from Jesus. We glued a Hershey's hug on the, on the Valentines and went out and gave all these, val- we created like 1,500 Valentines and we go out and, and deliver them to people. And, and there was miraculous stories. We even did the Valentines from Jesus here when we came here. And, and I, I don't know if you guys remember this. I've told this story before. Michaela gave a, valent- we went door knocking and we gave Valentines to people on Valentine's Day. And there was this guy named Eric that Michaela, when she was about eight years old, no, about 10, uh, she gave Eric a valentine. And he read it, and there was an invitation to the church, like an invitation you have here. And we didn't know a whole lot more, except that he came to church that next Sunday. And what I began to find out about Eric was he was in four-stage cancer. And over the next year, he was coming to church every Sunday. And I got to meet with him and pray with him and got to lead him to Jesus. And uh, I did his funeral about nine months later. And all his friends were there. And we talked about this Valentine that a little girl gave him, that invitation that we didn't know the story in his life, but it changed his life because of a kind act. Do you know what I mean? And I can tell you lots of stories about that. We used to go to the Fringe Festival every year, and we asked the Fringe coordinators, what's the job everybody hates to do? And uh, they said, garbage. Everyone hates picking up garbage because there's 500,000 people that go to the Fringe Festival. It's huge over the time. And uh, so garbage was a thing. Nobody wanted to do garbage. And then we went around to the businesses and we said, What do you guys hate about or love about the Fringe Festival? What do you hate? We hate that people come in and use our bathrooms, but they don't buy anything. We hate it. So then we started a bathroom brigade. And what they did was they would go in and we would go in and all we would say, this is as difficult as evangelism gets. We'd say, we just want to show you the love of God in a practical way. Can we clean your bathroom? And they would look at us like you are ridiculous. The bars would offer us drinks like, you guys want a rum and Coke? No, we don't want a rum and Coke. (laughs) They wanted to give us food. They couldn't comprehend this group of young adults just being kind. And all we asked was that we could wear a shirt, and our shirt said, you want to live on the fringe The back said, try Jesus. Most of our young adults couldn't answer when people asked them, what do you mean, try Jesus? I don't know. Just my pastor made me aware of this. But anyway, (laughs) we didn't quite prep that side of things too well, so we got to work on that. But anyway, but I'm going to tell you, there were stories of people. We had one young adult, and one of the things we used to do was plug parking meters. We had to raise all the money. We raised thousands of dollars to, to basically employ, to do this random act of kindness for those 10 days of the fringe. And we set up teams and we would go around and if people's meters expired, we would plug them with quarters. Then we put a card saying, Your time ran out, but Jesus gave his life so you could have eternity. Or you might we gave away water bottles and said, you know, you might be thirsty, but Jesus is the, you know, water that never, you know, you'll drink this and you'll never thirst again. Amen? That's all we did. Clean toilets. I can tell you a story with that one toilet uh, in the Ascendants bookstore, sorry, uh, that uh, was the New Age bookstore, and I had to clean that toilet, and I kneeled down to get in around because it hadn't been clean in a while, and my knees were soaked. Not in water. But how many know there's a special grace that comes when you're expressing the kindness of God? God is good. You can do all kinds of things. You see, kindness is contagious. It's contagious. Liz, I'm gonna ask you to get ready to prep and just share a little bit of the contagion Pastor Liz has experienced, the contagious stuff happening at uh, Higher Grounds Cafe. Let me tell you a quick story while she's coming and she's gonna grab a mic. There's a story of a guy he was in uh, with Operation Mobilization, which is a missions organization. He was in India in uh, 1967, and he contracted tuberculosis. And so he had to be put in a sanatorium, but he he hadn't learned the language yet. He couldn't speak to any of the people that were in the sanatorium with him. But he was very sick, and was in there for several months. He was trying constantly. I think there's a mic right there. Right there, yeah. Um, You're going to have to wait and listen to my story, though. Okay? So... Um, he tries to give out tracts, and he's trying to give out Gospels in, of John written in the language of the people, but nobody wanted one. And in fact, they hated him for even trying to tell him. And then uh, one day he was there, and at night he was, uh, woke himself up coughing because with tuberculosis he did. He woke himself up uh, coughing, and he looked over, and there was a man next to the bed, a couple of beds down from him, that was trying to get out of bed, an older man. And he was very sick, sicker than he was. And he was trying to get up and he could see the man straining and stretching and and he couldn't get out of the bed and he plopped down the bed and just began to whimper and he couldn't figure out why. And then he figured out the next morning when he woke up and there was a terrible smell in the room. The man was trying to get out of bed, you see, to go to the bathroom, but he didn't have the strength to do it. And so everybody began to scream and yell in, insults at him. And the nurses came and just treated him very badly, like shoveled him off the bed. And, and one nurse even slapped him in the face and began to scold him. for. And he just began to curl up in a ball and just weep. And so the next night, he woke himself up again with coughing, the man did. And, uh, and he saw the man trying to get out of his bed again. And he, he said, something just took me over, and I I, walk, I just got out of bed. Though I was weak and I was tired, I was certainly stronger than this man. And he went over, and the man was weeping in his bed, and he just kind of put, gently put his hand on him, and the man looked, and he smiled, and he put his hand under his head and his hand under his legs, and he picked him up, and he carried him to the bathroom, which was nothing more than a little hole in the ground. And he held him by his arms while he did his business, and then he carried him back to the bed. The next morning, he was awakened at 4 o'clock in the morning by somebody who had a cup of steaming chai tea. And he was giving him the tea and smiling, and he was asking for a track. He was pointing at the track, and then the nurses and the doctors and all the other patients began to ask for tracks and for Gospels of John that he had because of this one act of kindness. And many people in the sanatorium became believers because of that act of kindness. He said he tried for so long just to give away the tracts, to give away the Gospels of John, but it wasn't until he was kind that it caught on and created a contagion of a different kind in that place. So Pastor Liz is gonna tell us about some contagious stuff that's happening at Higher Grounds. (laughs) Helpful husband in the front. Just turn it up. Hmm. It is right, right here. There we go. How about now? Alrighty. So I'm just gonna yell at y'all. Can you hear? Can we get any mic on? Do we have any mic? Try it again. Hang on. Keep talking.
1: How about now? Aha. Ah, there we go. So at Higher Grounds, uh, we have what is called the giving Tree. And the Giving Tree, the whole premise of it is, if you need relief, you can go up to the tree, take a leaf off of there, and that leaf can represent a coffee, a sandwich, a soup sandwich combo, et cetera. And if you want to give relief, you can come into Higher Grounds, and you can pay it forward. So you can purchase one of these leaves for somebody else. Uh, This summer, we've had quite an influx of what we would call the transient community. And we've had a gentleman uh, that has come in all throughout the summer, on and off, uh, various addictions, various challenges, and he's been coming into higher grounds and we've been like his one hot meal a day, uh, living on the streets, et cetera, et cetera. And so that one act of kindness, right, him being able to go over to the tree, grab a leaf and redeem it at the counter and get himself a hot meal. And that's all that we got to do at Higher Grounds was just to be kind. Well, this guy, later on, um, long story short, I met his mom. She's been praying for him for years uh, to receive Jesus and to get clean. And uh, she comes in, the one day her and I ended up praying together. Again, this all started with a leaf, Mm -hmm. okay? She comes in, we pray together, and uh, long story short... She ends up taking him to rehab the next day. He spends a week in rehab, comes back to Higher Grounds to celebrate, comes up to the counter, Liz, I'm clean. He's got cash for the first time that I've ever seen. He lays it on the counter, he pays for his lunch, and then he says, Liz, I want to buy a leaf for somebody else uh, to pay it forward. And uh, that's just one act of kindness that this community is a part of. Amen. Amen. Thanks,
0: thanks, Pastor Liz. So, uh, if you go into Higher Grounds, you'll see the Relief Relief Tree. You can buy a leaf on the Relief Tree, uh, and what they're finding is that people are buying more leaves than they're taking, which is amazing. Amen. But you know one of the things that uh we continually need to to just challenge our church and you're a huge part of higher grounds what's happening there and uh that's you know kind of the outreach arm of our church into this community we have great favor with the community great partnership we're very thankful for that but we always need workers and every time this time of year people who want to volunteer for a four-hour shift once once a week go in I'm telling you, ministry happens at higher grounds. It's not just about making sandwiches and coffee. Uh, It really is about touching people's lives. And it's incredible when you go in there. It's such a great community. So make sure that you're, uh, if you want to talk to Pastor Liz about that, they would love for you to get it four hours a week to get involved and serve at higher grounds. You see, kindness is contagious. Kindness is a language of the spirit. This was Pastor Rick said this during our Wednesday prayer. I loved it. Kindness is the language of the spirit that speaks directly to the heart. It doesn't matter what language you speak. That's what kindness does. So what's the conclusion of our message today? I hope this cartoon comes up. There it is. In a world where you can be anything, be kind. I like that cartoon, Charlie Brown. That unsung hero of kindness. Let's make uncommon kindness common. We're going to take communion in just a couple minutes, and I'm going to ask those that are prepping that to get that ready. And uh, our communion is just a little—it's a little wafer, and there's some a bowl or a, a glass of grape juice on on my left here. There's one that's uh, gluten-free if you need that what you do is you just take one of the little communion wafers and you just dip it in the wine a little bit and then partake of it there because if you try to walk back to your seat, you're going to be covered in grape juice and it's really not something you want to do. But uh, we're going to just hold off on taking that. I'm going to ask the band to come back and we're going to do that um, goodness song again, if we can do that one. Because we're going to talk about a few things and you're going to take communion in just a couple minutes. There's communion tables at the back and there's ones at the front here. But before we do that, I want to uh, just get you to think and get you to start thinking about someone you need to be kind to or an act of kindness that was done to you. I asked you to think about that earlier. I prayed at the beginning. Maybe there'll be a time in a season when you have experienced the kindness of God that the Holy Spirit wants to bring back to your memory. When we asked this on Wednesday, Pastor Tyler had a real experience with God. God brought a memory back to him in his family when his father had left his brother and himself and his mom. And when somebody showed up at their doorstep and just dang, rang the doorbell and left behind a big box of food for, thanks, uh, for Christmas, I think it was, and some gifts but had walked away after they rang the doorbell and how it affected his mom and how it affected him. And God brought that memory back to him as we were talking about it on Wednesday. Kindness is powerful, church. It changed that family. Go ahead and play. Kindness is powerful. Let me tell you one last story. I had so many stories, I had to throw out stories because there were so many good stories about kindness. But let me tell you one more. And I've told you this story in the past, but uh, just pretend you haven't heard it before. Or if maybe you haven't heard it before. It's a story about a, a young uh, man named Kyle who was going into his first year of high school. And it was a Friday afternoon and he would, uh, had taken all the books out of his locker and he was walking home carrying this big stack of books. And as he's walking home, uh, uh, One of the other young men who was quite a popular young guy on the football team He noticed him and he said, well, what's up with that kid taking all his books home on a Friday? Like, man, he must be a nerd, I think is the language he used in his mind But he just kept walking and he saw a bunch of other kids run towards Kyle And begin to just shove him and push him so that all his books fell And he fell over and his glasses came off his face and flew onto the grass And this other young guy uh, he, he thought, oh, I'm gonna, this is ridiculous. He went over to him. He said, those guys are a bunch of jerks. He found Kyle's glasses. He gave them back to him. And he said, where do you live? And he said, they found out he lived just a few blocks away from where he was walking. He said, well, I'll help you with your books. And as he helped carry Kyle's books home, they began to talk. And he said, Kyle, like, you know, my friends and I were getting together and we're playing some football tomorrow. You want to come and join us? And so Kyle did. And, and you know, this guy really started to like Kyle. And his friends started to like Kyle, and they started to hang out together. So all throughout high school, Kyle became one of his great friends. And Kyle kind of grew and blossomed and grew into, you know, his glasses, and he looked really good in them, and he became the valedictorian of that school. And uh, on graduation day, uh, this friend, I think his name was Doug, said to him, you know, you look nervous, and he kind of gave him a shove, you know, like friends, brothers do, and uh, friends do. And uh, he said, you'll do fine. And Kyle got up and he began to share about the importance of family and the importance of friends. And then he shared a story that shocked Doug. While he was giving his valedictorian address, he said, three years ago when I came to this school, I was so depressed and discouraged because I had no friends. He said, I decided to commit suicide. And I had cleaned out my locker. I took all the books out of my locker and I began to carry them home because I didn't want my mom to have to come to the school and do that after I took my life. And then he shared the story about kind of having it all confirmed when those kids pushed him down. But then Doug came and in an act of kindness, helped him carry his books. And an act of kindness invited him to a football game. And he shared how that changed his life. And he decided not to take his life. This is the first time that Doug had heard this. During graduation and everyone in the crowd let out a gasp because this popular student who was the valedictorian was sharing this intimate story of how kindness changed his life. Church, you know... We need to be kind. There's somebody that God's going to lay on your heart that needs to come to church because they need to meet with God. Amen? You know, I'm going to just say one thing before we have communion. Let the Holy Spirit show you that area that you need to receive His kindness. And I told you at the beginning of this when I shared the story about abortion, I really felt in prayer this week that there was someone here that needs to be forgiven. You've been carrying the weight of abortion and God wants to set you free from that. He wants you to know that he is kind to you. He wants to be merciful to you, that he loves you. And I don't know who that is, but as we take communion, I want you to know God has made a way for you to be free. Amen? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Holy Spirit, come now. Reveal a kindness to people that are seated here. Reveal a time when you've been kind to them. Maybe through another person. Holy Spirit, reveal to them when they've received a kindness or when they've given a kindness. And if there's somebody that you want to lay on their heart, maybe to invite to church or just to be kind to, reveal that person to them, Lord, I pray. God, be with your people today. Go with them in the grace and the peace and the knowledge of God. Remind them, God, to invite somebody. Invite somebody to back to church Sunday, Lord. God, we'll, we'll just love on them when they come. And I pray, remind us next week that we're gonna have lots of people that are visitors. Help us to love them, Lord, to be kind and good. Let your grace multiply in a